Episode 3 in this five-part series about Lauren Warden's brain surgery journey picks up with her neurosurgeon, Dr. Rashid Janjua, at Novant Health Brain and Spine Surgery. Hi, this is Gina DiPietro with Novant Health Healthy Headlines. In this episode, Josh Jarman asks Dr. Janjua to explain the clinical side of Lauren's story leading up to her last skull-expanding procedure. Dr. Janjua also shares what motivates him to take care of his patients and why he came to think so highly of Lauren. Thanks for listening. What did you first notice when you examined Lauren? I've known Lauren for a very long time as the mother of three active young boys, a busy mother, uh, being a wife and active in life more than I could have ever imagined somebody with her level of pain being able to do. Imagine for yourself that you have a broken leg and still need to run after three children and be able to participate. That is an impossibility for most people. I know definitely for myself that would be. But when I met her several years ago, that's the level of pain she was in and she was sitting across from me with tears in her eyes asking for help. And ever since then, I've had multiple meetings with her, with surgeries, trying to get her through. And every time I think that I have her better, she's better, but then she comes back mm -hmm. saying, hey, I cannot be the mother that I want to be. So she told me she had a pseudotumor. Yeah. And that's a non-cancerous tumor, right? Like, but it still caused so many issues for her. Yeah, so it's actually a misnomer because it's not really a tumor. The reason why it's called pseudotumor it's because back in the day when we did not have CAT scans, MRIs, physicians would look in patients' eyes and see that their back of the eye nerve was swollen. That meant that there was pressure buildup in the head and classically that was thought to be because somebody had a tumor, a swelling from a benign, so in other words non-cancerous right. or cancerous mass in the brain. So they didn't know that these women could have pressure buildup inside the head without ever having a tumor. That is why it was labeled as pseudo-tumor, pretend tumor. Nothing pretend though about the pain she had. No uh, doubt. She told me about memory loss and vision issues. Yeah, so most patients will come with headaches and blurry vision, but a lot of them have dizziness, memory loss, uh, they will complain about nausea, inability to focus, not being able to be the moms, the daughters, uh, the wives that these women, because most of them, these, uh, of these patients are women, for some reason, which we don't know why, most of them will come with these symptoms and they just don't have the quality of life anymore that they want and they deserve, frankly. And you're right, and this kicked off a three-year journey uh, for her at such a young age, in her 20s when she was diagnosed. Um, can you briefly walk me through kind of the steps that you took as far as treatment? It sounds like she started with what's called a brain shunt. Yeah, so <clears throat> imagine for yourself the condition where the pressure is building up in your head. For those of our listeners who may remember, uh, there used to be an entity called a pressure cooker. I don't know if you remember mm -hmm. that. Sure. The whole principle there was with pressure building up in that pan, you would cook food faster. And if the pressure got too high, it would spew out the steam, right? <clears throat> well, 
If the pressure builds up inside your skull, which is made out of bone, the pressure cannot go anywhere, right? So the, there are three main ingredients or contents inside your skull. One is brain, your brain tissue. Second is spinal fluid. And third is blood. So in order to reduce the pressure inside the head, you have to have less of one of three. Obviously, you're not going to do less brain. So you have to get rid of spinal fluid or have less blood inside the head. So what most people start with is doing a brain shunt. And what a brain shunt is, is a tube that is inserted into brain fluid, allowing the fluid to escape out of the skull, underneath the skin, down to the belly. And that is the escape mechanism through which the fluid can escape from the brain and lower the pressure inside the skull. And she said that worked, essentially. Uh, but a few, I guess, months later, realized that that pressure had come back. And yeah. so I believe there was a revision. Correct. And then she ended up trying a new procedure. It was a lumbar procedure, right? Yeah. So in your back, there is more spinal fluid and most surgeons try to put a shunt in there and the principle there is to take the fluid that's in your back the same fluid that you tap when you do a spinal tap and with the tube inside your back underneath your skin bring it down to the belly so that fluid can be taken off the benefit of that procedure it's a shorter procedure but the drawback of that is is that it fails more commonly and it can be painful for the patient. So that's why I don't do it as my first option because it may be easier for me, but long-term, it's not the best solution for these patients. Okay, so with this lumbar shunt though, she said she was pretty nervous and that she struggles with panic attacks and actually that she kind of rubbed her the wrong way the first time she met you and that uh, you told her she needed to lose weight and you were pretty blunt with your answers. Um, but then with this one, she had a panic attack in the hospital after the procedure, and Lauren told me that you went and sat by her bedside until she fell asleep. And um, how do you find that balance with putting it out there, uh, but also showing compassion? Yeah, that is a very important question. And I think um, a lot of times you hear patients who have talked to their doctors and the doctors gave them a given impression and that's not what the reality was. This is a mother of three. This is somebody's wife, somebody's daughter. They deserve the truth. And not always is the truth sweet. Sometimes the truth is bitter. My job is to take care of her like I would take care of my own wife. And I've told her that and I tell all my patients that, that I will take care of you like my family member. If I need to make her better, I need her to know what she can do to make herself better in addition to what I can do to help her. At the end of the day, and I keep coming back to this because this is very, very important to me, this is the mother of three young boys. I have three young children. So when she's having a panic attack, I'm not the doctor and she's not the patient. There is a fellow human being laying over there having a panic attack and there is no better way to deal with that than hold this person's hand and tell them everything's going to be alright. Obviously I know that everything is going to be alright because I did the operation, I'm an expert at it, so I can say that with confidence so it's not a false promise. But making her feel comfortable and safe at that point is what's needed. 
Well, I know you definitely did that for her and she did feel comforted afterwards. Uh, but unfortunately, things still didn't get better. I guess yeah. the pressure kept building and uh, she decided to take a little bit of a break, uh, but eventually came back to you and decided to do this um, cranial expansion procedure. Yeah. Like, what is that? So she came to us from Virginia and she still lives in Virginia and the trip down here was not the easiest for her and she said that she wanted to try to get keep her care local and I obviously encouraged her that and that was always available for her if she were to need me. She had multiple procedures done in Virginia and they did not result in an optimal outcome which is why she called me and asked me if I would be willing to help her again and obviously my answer was yes I, I, I would love to take care of her and because she has had so many operations already I told her that thinking that you're going to do the same thing again and again and again and get her to a point where she is permanently free of pain or reasonably permanently free of pain, we have to change gears. We have to shift our strategies. So first we have to establish that she indeed has high pressures. So we got her into the intensive care unit and while she was in the intensive care unit awake, um, put a teeny fiber optic probe inside her brain and measured the pressures for two days to establish indeed that she has high pressures throughout the night and during the day. So every hour we would write down the pressure inside of her head, even when she was asleep. Mm. And it turned out that her pressures were sustained high while she was admitted. So having done multiple operations on her and she has had stents in her head placed to in her veins, that the next step that I wanted to do for her was a more definitive procedure. So. What we did was we wanted to now not decrease the amount of fluid and blood in her brain, inside her skulls, I'm sorry. We wanted to make the skull bigger to accommodate her big brain, so to speak. So we had to expand the skull. You know, we had to make her head bigger. How is that even possible? Yeah. Um, technically, it requires some finesse to be able to do this, not only to make the head bigger so it accommodates the brain. So imagine for yourself that in her situation, the glove is just too tight for her hand. Well, you can shrink the hand with every way possible, or you can get a, make the glove bigger, and that's what we did. So make the skull bigger so it accommodates the brain. That required many weeks of first stretching her skin out to allow the skull to come out more of her, uh, of her, of her native skull. Um, and we sawed a very large piece of skull out and brought it out more so the brain could have more space, more breathing room, so to speak. Um, but we did that and she went home the next day. So this was multiple trips back and forth to put in, is it spacers in her brain? Yeah, they're called um, tissue expanders. So uh, I don't know if you've ever met patients who have had uh, the misfortune of having breast cancer. And after they've had their so-called mastectomy, when their breast tissue has been removed, in order to put implants in, 
they get tissue expanders and what they do they stretch the skin over multiple weeks in order to reconstruct the breast. So I worked with a plastic surgeon who put these tissue expanders between her skin and her skull to stretch the skin out and he was able to stretch the skin out over multiple weeks so that when we pulled the skull out we would still be able to close the skin back up again. In other words, imagine for yourself a box that's gift wrapped. Now if you make the box bigger, you need to have enough wrapping in order to still wrap the box back. Otherwise, if you leave the wrap this way it is, you won't be able to close it. And that's what we had to do. So on surgery day, which was eight days ago, the, the tissue expanders were removed. And what exactly did you do in her brain that day? So I cut a very large part of her skull out, almost 80% of the skull on the left side. And I pulled it out of her skull, so I just made her skull bigger and put it in a new place so that the brain had more space to, uh, to accommodate itself. And the surgery was a success? Absolutely. She's, she, we met her today. She is free of pain, only the incision hurts, but most importantly, she feels like the mother again that she wants to be. How is this different than the last several surgeries? All the other surgeries were to reduce the amount of fluid inside her head. The stents were to reduce the amount of blood inside her head. This time, we turned it around and we said, okay, all these uh, procedures are failing, which is gonna make her head bigger. So this is an operation to make a patient's head bigger. And her prognosis now? Very good. Anything else you'd like to add about Lauren? I absolutely think she's a fantastic woman. And I love her for everything that she brings to the table as a patient who has never given up. I know I would have given up. She never did. And I didn't give up on her. Thank you for your time today. You're welcome. Hi, Gina DiPietro again. In the next episode, we'll pick back up with Lauren Warden at the hospital, one day after her final brain surgery procedure. It's pretty amazing. For more expert advice, search Novant Health Healthy Headlines. Don't forget to rate us, review us, and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, or anywhere you choose to listen. We post new podcasts all the time. Most are just 15 minutes. Until next time, thanks for listening.